Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to the Shovel Pass. I'm Nick Sawyer, and this week I've got Will Sawyer and Chris Heim with me. We're through week two of the NFL season, and it was another fun one with lots of close games, and a bunch of them coming down to the end of the game, or overtime. This week, we each break down our game of the week, and then shine a light on a couple of the guys that stood out to us with our Man of the Week and Donkey of the Week awards. As is always the case when we sit down to talk football, things go sideways a couple of times and spin off into some great side conversations. Check out the bonus episodes for a couple of the side conversations that we thought needed their own space. All right, on with the show. Let's get to it. Christopher, it's nice to see your face again, sir. Thanks for having me back, guys. I thought I was not going to get invited anymore, so I appreciate it. <laughs> well, we missed you last week. Week one. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I was... I was poorly managing my time but that's not gonna be an issue going forward uh, otherwise sure. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise engaged that's fine yeah we understand that um you have priorities and i guess we're not one of them <laughs> <laughs> okay let's get into let's get into the uh the meat and potatoes this week uh games of the week so let's just do a little round table um, maybe we'll start with Will. Sir, what uh, was your game of the week? Yeah, you got plenty of choice this week. I mean, I, I think, so we'll just start off by saying, there's been, I looked this up before we got on, there's been 16 games in the last two weeks. We're only through week two, guys. 16 games have finished within a touchdown. Within seven points. It's been really close. And, and most and of those. I found it this week especially. But last week too, there was what, two overtimes? And then and right. this week and most of one. those, most of those 16 came down to the end of the game. Like it, they didn't just end within a touchdown, you know. They came down to some drama at the end of the game, like a game-winning field goal or overtime or game-winning drive. But anyways, all right, go for it. What's not, your game of the week? Not so with the Bucks atlanta game this week. Uh, not yeah. so. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, not the game of the week for me. Yeah, um, consider me not shocked. <laughs> I mean, there was a few good games this week. Uh, the one that I had my eye on is no surprise. I was watching Cowboys uh, Chargers. Uh, thought it was going to be a super interesting game, and there were some there were some very compelling things to it. I don't know if it was the best game in the week, uh, all told, but for me, it, it was. Great watching the Cowboys come out, and, and, and uh, they, they had a very successful portion of the game. They, they needed to kind of put it away a little bit more, but the Chargers are a good team, so it wasn't that much of a surprise that it ended up close. I don't know. Yeah, the, I mean, the Cowboys kind of jumped out to a, an early lead, and then the Chargers just didn't go away. Yeah. They just chipped away at them all game, and I, maybe that's where... 
you know, you want to see a little more from the Cowboys uh, throughout the game. Yeah, so I mean, th- there's there's a couple things that were definitely working against them. Um, the the Cowboys were missing one starting O lineman, and they they're missing both their starting defensive ends. Uh, okay, which definitely had an effect. Um, they had to pull Micah Parsons down from linebacker to defensive end, which uh, I mean, jumping forward in the show, um, he he's my honorable mention. <laughs> for for player of the week um he played like a defensive end he was a fantastic rusher and he was disrupting plays throughout the game honestly i don't know that they would have gotten much more production uh with with one of their other starters on the field but the issue there was they had to pull him away from linebacker so he wasn't doing the sideline to sideline tackling that he's been doing up till now that he did last week because he wasn't there. He was stuck right. on the line. Uh, so stuck. he's having a chase. I mean, just in terms of, you know, distribution of talent, uh, if they had DeMarcus Lawrence on the line, they probably would have gotten as much or more pass rush out of him. And they would have gotten side to side tackling from Parsons. Um, Do you instead, think so? <laughs> I think so. Um, but you know, bringing him on the line, he had a job to do. He did a fantastic job, uh, but they didn't have his talents a little bit further back in the field. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely had an effect. Well, uh, I think prevented them a little bit from putting the game away. Um, but some other guys stepped up, and and it wasn't well. Okay, one thing that I really want to shout out for the Cowboys in this game is they established a run game, which was a big question mark for everybody coming into this year is what was Dallas going to do in the run game? And they got a good game out of both the running backs. They had a phenomenal game out of Tony Pollard. Um, But, but Zeke had a good game. It's not anything to, to, you know, turn your nose up at that. Like he had a strong game, um, he was expected, I think, to do a little bit more of the workhorse running. And and Pollard was a great kind of change of pace back and, and found some space. Uh, so, like, together, they, they ended up with, uh, what was it, 180 yards rushing. Yeah, so... Um, I'll take. That. I don't know if you mind. If you mind me jumping in here for a Absolutely. minute, I jump thought, in. Jump in. I thought. I agree with you. I thought Pollard was spectacular, and I've been impressed with him for the last several years. Kind of living in Zeke's shadow. I wonder how long can Dallas continue to call Zeke the workhorse back when you've got Pollard running the ball like that. I know you're paying Zeke an arm and a leg to be the every down back. But at what point is he just not producing to to the level that that role demands? And to the level that his paycheck demands. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it. at what point do you say, forget his paycheck? This is what's best for the team. He's not the bell cow back. There's nothing we can do about his paycheck. Let's just call the game the way the game is 
best played. Honestly, you know, and I guess what, what I'm I saying is that Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. They they divvied up the carries pretty much even and Pollard produced better. And I will say this, listen, Pollard is their change of pace back. But I think he's what? He's like six foot two oh five or something. He's not that small. I mean, okay, he's no. not two twenty five. But man, when he runs the ball, it's he gets shot out of a cannon, and he's not too small to run between the tackles. So I, I don't know. He's yeah, he's he's earning uh, he's earning points in my book, and I think the way they ran the ball this week was was excellent. It took a little pressure off Dak. Dak was good. He wasn't, you know. He didn't amaze me like last week, but he didn't throw the ball 58 times, which is exactly what we talked about last week. Like he shouldn't be throwing the ball 58 times. So I thought the balanced attack was good. Um, and, and then and, just and sorry, threw the ball 27 times. He completed 23 passes, which is great. And and I think at one point he had a streak of like 16 completions or something. Uh, so in terms of yeah, efficiency completions, he did everything right didn't get the touchdowns to his name that that's a relatively minor thing like i mean minor <laughs> it's scoring points he needs to do it but for one week i don't have a problem with it um yeah. you know but yeah and he just that? faced two great defenses yeah like he he did it all game last week against tampa and the Chargers have a, a good defense he showed up again and delivered so yeah, I think, I think at the Not end a pick, of the but... first quarter, there were three incompletions between both quarterbacks, and two of them were interceptions. Oh, my God. Well, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert threw an interception, and Dak threw an interception, and I think one incompletion. In I mean, it's, it's a little funny, too. I mean, this is football in 2021, right? It's a, it's a quarterback league. It's a, it's yeah. a thrower's game. Um, jumping back to Micah Parsons for a second, though. Uh, pro football focus credits him with eight pressures and a pass rush grade of 90.8, the second highest rating among, among all defenders in the league. Damn. <laughs> As a rookie linebacker, yeah. stepping up to the first time. two tackles. Yeah. Essentially two tackles. Say, did he play in college? Any D line or in high school? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I mean, I don't know. Probably. I should know, but I don't. <laughs> Two tackles, four quarterback hits, and a sack. He That's had a awesome. great game. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. That's why I was asking, like, does does, does Demarcus Lawrence really give you that much? <laughs> well, okay, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence... He does. I think he does. I'm just being cheeky, but honestly. Yeah. Point well taken that if you can have Parsons roaming the middle of the fields and Demarcus Lawrence rushing the passer, that's your best option. To- Together, Together. They, yeah. they, they make uh, a lot more value than just having Parsons stuck in one one role or the other. Uh, whereas DeMarcus Lawrence wouldn't provide the same value at linebacker. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, Fair point. But yeah, Fair no, point he, by you. <laughs> you know, Parsons was, was great, um, but uh, he, he's only my honorable mention, so I'll save my actual player of the week for... Uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Chris, did you watch the game at all, or are you? Oh, I do don't have any watch thoughts on games. this. I don't know what happened. Still sad when they beat you in the yeah. Super Bowl. Mm. 
I, I was you born even, that year. You were... <laughs> <laughs> I was I was born six months later. I think. <laughs> I got I got no sour grapes about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. I just dated myself, didn't I? All right, yeah, no, that was that was a that was a good game. That was a good game. Okay, Chris, over to you. Game of the week. Game of the week. Um, so I watched. Uh, as much football as I could, but I focused on the Steelers and the Raiders and the Rams and the uh, Colts. Okay, so uh, pick one. Which which is your game of the week? You're allowed to pick your Steelers. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to because it's going to get really negative and it's going to get very. <laughs> you don't want to talk about that the way they Not lost. Right I mean, it was. I'll just say. I'll just say this. Big Ben is the problem. Um, big longtime Ben fan. Before I talk about the Rams Colts, just very quickly. Yeah. Um, that being said. Uh, I thought they should have started making plans to replace Ben in 2019 when they saw what happened when they had Ducky and Mason as their quarterbacks, and it just wasn't the prettiest. Um, ben last year was efficient at times, but towards the last third of the season, his arm fell apart. That being said, he had a couple decent throws of decent length that I was surprised by, but it's also September. He's not making those throws in December, and he was the problem. He sputtered that offense to a halt. He still has too much control. They line up under shotgun, in shotgun way too often. I, sh- I think he should be under center at least 60% of the time they're on offense. Mm. But that's it. Ben is the problem. Nothing else. Right. That All defense right, is too good. Okay. Rams yeah, Colts. I thought he looked good in week one, but yeah, yeah this uh, week. He, he honestly looked okay in week one, but uh, right. this week was just not good. Rams, Colts. Stafford came back down to earth a little. He was electric against the Bears. Um, he was can't miss. That game was... I think one of those games where uh, Sean McVay was just kind of champing at the bit to show off his new toy to the whole league and uh, yeah. let Stafford go loose. Stafford looked a lot more like the Detroit Stafford um, uh, against uh, the Colts. He still what does had a that good mean? Game. Explain yourself. D- Detroit Stafford. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't elevating his players as much as he should have been, which is difficult to quantify because Stafford is tough. Stafford doesn't give up. He plays with shitty teammates. I mean, his team right now is way better than than almost any team he's had in Detroit, if not any team. But he didn't have that special to really carry the Rams, which is a very good roster. And Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup is a very good wide receiver. He might be one of the, he might be the best slot receiver in the NFL. He's a stud. He is a white Wes Welker. Three yards. Yeah, but he's not. That's just it. He's not Wes Welker. I, so far, he seems to be getting better, honestly, because Wes Welker took and, a while to pop. And Wes Welker was like 5'7 on a good day. And also had Tom Brady throwing the ball and then Peyton Manning throwing the ball. Like, like that's just it. Cooper Cup doesn't fall into your standard slot receiver, diminutive slot receiver. Yeah. He's a six foot one, good-sized receiver. No, Cooper Cup is, is, is definitely one of the yeah. best receivers in the league, one of the best just targets in the league. But yeah, Stafford had... Stafford had a pretty ugly pick that was kind of overthrown. Just wasn't a good ball. Um, he still played very good, though. He, I, but that, that's the thing. It's like this Colts team played much better, but was still reeling. I think from the the somewhat shocking way they they lost uh, to Seattle in the sense that it, their game against Seattle never seemed that competitive. Um, but that being said, I thought Stafford certainly outplayed. Um, uh, Carson Wentz, who I've been a, a staunch defender of for many years and a big supporter of, but I'm I'm finding 
this year is going to be the last year I defend uh, Wentz. And the longer the season goes on, if he continues to make boneheaded plays, I'm going to have to just like fold on that take. But yeah. um, Stafford definitely outplayed Wentz. And to stick with Wentz for a sec, he made some very good plays at times, but he also made some incredibly dumb plays. I'm sure you guys all saw that highlight where he threw the uh, – he was trying to just like scramble, 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 just like like flick the ball on the goal line. And uh, one of the Rams linebackers just easily picked it off. It was just like – I remember seeing that play like, what? why the hell did you just do that? That was beyond a boneheaded play. Um, the Colts, though, might be the best 0-2 team in terms of roster construction and potential that I've seen in a very long time. Their defense isn't as good, or at least isn't playing as good right now as they were the last year and a bit. Their offensive line was a big concern. Their offensive line is playing through a lot of injuries. They've been shuffled around a little. Quentin Nelson, his, his ankle still seems to be hurting him, so he's still still very good, but not as dominant as he should be. And their offense was just not clicking the Colts as well as it should have been. So that was a game that I was, I was looking for fireworks and it was a close game. It was decided in the last few minutes of the game. But both teams honestly played so much sloppier than I expected from teams that are so well coached, so well uh, run as an organization from head coach to uh, GM and just roster construction. Like that, those those are those are uh, playoff teams that have the potential to win at least one game in the playoffs. And for that, obviously it's September, so I, I give them a little leeway. But it was just a little disappointing seeing such high caliber teams play fairly sloppy football. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree with you. I mean, so where do I start? I've never been a huge Wentz fan. Uh, I don't know that I have a, a lot of good reason for that. I thought that uh, he got drafted a bit high considering his college career um his first year when was it his first year her second year in philly when they started talking about him having an mvp season that that didn't sit well with me um and i just feel like you know he's always kind of rode this opinion that everybody thinks he's really great and i've never really seen it i don't know i never really got it that said i don't wish for any guy to fail uh but yeah, his stats this week were not particularly compelling. They're kind of ho-hum. Stafford, I mean, Stafford's weren't great either, but he had a little bit more yards per per completion. So for what it's worth, means he's making some more difficult throws, perhaps not dinking and dunking so much. I don't know. The Colts this year for me are kind of eh, whatever. And if you look at their schedule, their schedule doesn't get any easier. So, I mean, you know what they say about 0-2 teams, right? But the chances of making the playoffs um, are really, really low. I don't think there's too many teams that have made I the playoffs. I think I saw a stat where it's like, in, since the Super Bowl era, 88, 88% of teams that started off 0-2 missed the playoffs. So that Is that said, it? If, I think it's something like that. It's a very high percentage of teams that go 0-2 miss the playoffs. Um, but yeah, you got think, it. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I well, think from anything, 1990 to 2019, okay, sorry, sorry. only 12 percent of teams that went 0 and 2 made the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that's that. That's one of those things where it only got harder since the 90s because they added more teams. Like it's become even more competitive just because there's there's more teams right. to compete against. But um, 
I think if there's any division in the league this year that an 0-2 team could still make the playoffs and win the division is probably the AFC South, which is very quickly shaping up to be the <laughs> worst division in football. And let me just say this. I'm, I'm already going to say I was right. Preseason predictions, I said the Jags were the worst team in that division. And I think maybe all three of you, my brother included, said the Jags be better than the Texans. And I was like, what are you talking about? The Texans, they don't look like a great team. They Jacksonville just looks terrible but that will get there later i'm just gonna say that's a win for me right away <laughs> yeah okay well start start counting start counting your wins <laughs> too soon we'll see at the end of the season i think the texans I, are gonna crash and burn pretty you, bad i think so too uh but i will say to your credit right now the texans have the best net points in their division they're plus six the Jaguars are the worst <laughs> at minus 26 Oh, so in two games. In two games. I just find it funny that the best, the best plus minus, even after two games, is plus six. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. That's from right. a one-in-one team. That's a one-in-one team. They, they also have the most points for at 58 points of anyone in their division. Their offense is popping. Their defense, I don't know like, how they're managing that. I don't know. David uh, Caldwell is okay, I guess. Cully? Isn't it Cully? Sorry, it's Cully. Yeah, I said Caldwell for some reason. Uh, Yeah, so just as an aside, did you guys see that bonehead play he made this weekend? Who? David Cully. The coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, the Texans head coach. I can't remember whether what quarter it was or exactly what the situation was, but it, it was like... It was third and 15, and they threw a pass. They got 13 yards, so it was going to be fourth and two. And they got a penalty. There was a a false start penalty. So they could have had third and 10 and do the down over, or they could have gone for it on fourth and two. And instead of doing either, he declined the penalty and he punted it away. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> he wanted to try and pin them deep or something. I don't know. I don't I'm understand sorry. my options. <laughs> that sounds like Dude, a, a store number move. three. <laughs> like, you didn't want to back up. But it was something like they were on, I don't know, they were around midfield. So it really wasn't, like, the, t- the, the eight yards that you gained there for the punt really were not that consequential. So, that, that and then if you look at the well. analytics, it would have told you to go for it on fourth and two, right? They were in that middle part of the field where a punt mm-hmm. doesn't really help you and it's too long of a field goal. So go for it. Anyways. Yeah. My, my mind is, is once, if you're on the other side of the field, on the opponent's side of the field, if it's fourth and two, especially if it's fourth or one or less, you should go for it every time. Almost yeah. every time. <laughs> yeah, almost every time. And if you look it up, the, the analytics will tell you that Almost every time, if it's fourth and two, you have a better chance of getting it. Yeah. It's something like 70%. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, like well, fourth and one or fourth and two, it's like 70% chance, 65, 70% chance that you're going to get it. You have a, a, a marked advantage over the, the defense. So um, the last thing website that you, you just pointed out to me before this podcast, uh, yeah, Edge Sports, uh, the, the number two bonehead coaching call of the week was Cliff Kingsbury punting on fourth and nine 
leading 34-33 on the Arizona 40. Right. Right. With in his own end, left. right? Like you're in your own end, but if you're, you're around midfield, it's basically like if it's fourth down, go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially if you're in a close game near the end of the game too. And time is a factor there as well. And and at the end, I'll get it. That's my game of the week. So I'll get into it in a minute, but the, the timing and if you're that close to the game at the end of the game and there's, there's a time factor of whether you're going to get the ball back with enough time to score and that kind of stuff. But it's a lot. The last thing I'll say about your Colts game before we move on is, uh, and I don't remember what our predictions were. It, it, be fun to keep an eye on those, but uh, their schedule. So they lose to the Seahawks, no surprise. They lose to the Rams, no surprise. They're zero and two, so their chances of making the playoffs are slim. They go, they go play in Tennessee next weekend. Ugh. Then they travel to go play the Dolphins. All right, so we might be looking at a one and three team after four weeks. Then they get Ravens. A break playing the Texans. They go to the 49ers, then they're back to the Titans. Like, I mean, essentially, they, they it's great when they're playing teams in their division. <laughs> but they got to go through the Bucks, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Raiders. <laughs> like, I think their path to the playoffs is a tough one. No, I think so too. I think so too. And and that being said, though, I think um, in their division they have probably the best chance because I'm not sold on Tennessee. I'm not sold on them. Mm. I think Tennessee is they're that odd team where they got they got worse on offense. Um, Taylor Lewan against uh, Arizona in the first game got, and he's a great left tackle. He is a top five, I'd say, left tackle in the league. He got beat like a fucking drum by Chandler Jones, and he acknowledges much, right? Taylor Lewan's the kind of guy who will, he will acknowledge when he gets shit on, which isn't very often. And that offense has gotten worse, um, even though they have Julio Jones. The loss of Arthur Smith, I think, is a pretty big loss uh, as a, as a coordinator because we've seen how many times you know quarterbacks play better with certain coordinators, like the the lower tier, not great quarterbacks. And yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm going to challenge you on this. I don't know whether I agree with you necessarily. I mean, we'll see about the corner, uh, the coordinator. But I feel like they added pieces to their offense, and um, yeah, I don't know. I thought they played pretty good this week, honestly. I mean, I, I still think we kind of went over this before the season started. I think the Colts, or sorry. The Titans are as good as Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of saw that this weekend. The first half, they were struggling. And then the second half, they exploded and won the game because Derrick Henry found his legs. But Tannehill played pretty well. I, I, Tannehill's an underrated quarterback for me. I think he's better than uh, better than people give him credit for. So, definitely, anyways, definitely. we'll see but, how they look down the stretch. I, I I don't entirely disagree with you, Chris. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know whether they're as good as the deep playoff run. No, uh, it's just that defense but, is nowhere close, right? Like right. a big part of that playoff run a few years ago was their defense just stepped up. They weren't the best in the league, but they just were situationally very excellent. And last year they 
that that's what I'm did them. Like you saw how yeah. quickly their defense fell apart. They were, I think, a bottom three or five defense in the league half of the season. They didn't get any better. They added Bud Dupree from the Steelers as an excellent pass rusher. But honestly, I think that defense has gotten worse. So I think the Titans, they were, I believe, eleven and five last year. I think they're I think they're nine and eight, maybe ten and seven this year. That's their best. Um, I don't see them winning more than ten games this year. The really? Colts might honestly be in the same in the same boat. I was high on them, you know, a few weeks ago before the start of the season, but I think the Colts might be a ten win team as well. At best, it might just be one of those things where you know a tiebreaker decides between those two teams. But I, I don't see anything from that division, any team in that division, winning more than ten games. I just don't see it right now. Hmm. Okay. All right, let's move on. My game of the week: Minnesota, Arizona. Oh, man. So as much as I want to dislike Arizona, Kyler Murray is a lot of fun to watch. He is electric. And some of the plays that he makes are... are <laughs> he makes too many of them. Wow plays. He escapes the pocket like Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. except way quicker, way more sudden. Like Russell Wilson's sneaky, and he's he's uh, got a knack for escaping the pocket and running and making the throws. Kyler Murray does it at lightning speed. It's a lot of fun, like anyways. Rabbit. Like a rabbit. Yeah, I feel like his strength though is that he can do that, and he can take off, and he can run, and he makes these off balance throws. He did it a couple of times against Minnesota. But I also feel like he does have his limitations because he is short. And I know I don't want to sound like this is, you know, I feel like we've all said this too many times or we've heard this too many times about short quarterbacks. But I did notice a couple of times when he's throwing from the pocket that throwing over the O-linemen that are two heads taller than him uh, presented certain challenges. So a couple of balls weren't, weren't right where they're supposed to be or sailed a little bit. The other thing I noticed about him that, I don't have the analytics or the data to back this up, but watching the replays when they slowed it down and I noticed it on the pick six that he threw. So he threw this pick six where the middle linebacker jumped. uh, It looked like a, like a hook route or something like a little 10 yard possession hook route or a little like sit down in the, in the zone route and the middle linebacker jumped it. And when they showed this, the really slow motion replay, I'm watching Kyler Murray's wind up and it, it wasn't his first look. Okay. He looked, it was his second or third read. So he looked one way, he looked a second receiver and then he came to this, this was kind of his check down. But in the time that it, he, he locked onto the receiver and then he wound up, he's got this big looping wind up and it, it dawned on me that it, it didn't surprise me that he's a baseball player because it looked like he was pitching. He's got this pitcher's windup when he throws a football. If you watch it full speed, it doesn't look like he has a slow delivery. It, it doesn't look like Tim Tebow or anything. But when I watched this throw, it's like you could see his head lock onto the receiver and then he starts winding up as the, the linebacker's jumping the road. And by the time he got rid of the ball... The ball couldn't get there, couldn't get to the receiver. So interception runs it back for a touchdown. 
they won the game, but that could have made that could have been the difference in the game. And in all honesty, it should have been. Minnesota shouldn't have lost that game. Anyways, it made me think that his release is slower than what the best quarterbacks in the league are working with. And I'd love to see somebody break that down and actually tell me either I'm wrong if I am. Because when I watched it for the rest of the game, I'm like, I don't know. His release looks pretty quick when when you're watching it full speed. But it was that slow motion breakdown where I saw that wind up and I was like, oh my goodness, he looks like a pitcher. And, And the linebacker jumped the route because the ball wasn't gone. So anyways, that's just a long-winded point of interest. But um, I don't know. My key takeaways, Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He really is. He makes smart decisions. He makes good throws. For the most part, he's accurate. His stats were pretty good. But, Will, this is building off the conversation we had last week. He's... uh, He's not exciting, <laughs> and he's not going to take chances with the football, which, for the most part, is a good thing. But, I mean, okay, he's better than Tyrod Taylor, but it's still it's still this kind of idea that, like, when the game's on the line, you got to go for it. Okay, you got to you got to have a little bit of Brett Favre in you, and I just don't see it. Well, yeah, so there's a couple of quick things I I, I was gonna say here go ahead Uh, jump in if you look at the stats there i feel like there's a good argument to be made uh kirk cousins was 22 of 32 so over 65 percent completions yep 244 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions right and dalvin cook rushed for 130 yards on 22 carries right there's, to me, there's a very good argument that a team should not lose a game when their quarterback and running back have those stat lines. 100%. Like, it, it's absurd that they would lose a game with that kind of efficiency. Um, and the only so, explanation is they played it too safe. So, that, and, honestly. And the other thing that I was going to mention. And no, a pick I didn't, six. I didn't. I didn't actually get to see the the tail end of the game, but just looking at the drive summary, um, I, I will give Kirk Cousins some credit that he led the longest drive of the second half for Minnesota. Last drive of the game, with two minutes left in the game, he drove 58 yards and put them in a very makeable field goal position to win the game. Yeah. To a certain degree you got to say hey, he did his job. No, so so sorry. I don't want to I I don't want this to sound like I'm I'm ragging on him. He played a really good game and I thought watching the two quarterbacks it was this really interesting comparison because you've got Kyler Murray on one side who's spectacular when he plays. Exciting. He makes these splashy plays that he shouldn't be making that 90% of the quarterbacks in the league couldn't make if they wanted to. He makes off-balance throws. Um, that they, they went for it on fourth and five at one point from their own forty, and he he tossed it forty yards downfield over the top to Christian Kirk. Uh, like what Minnesota brought the house. So I mean, it was it, he had man coverage down the middle, and he just tossed it over the over the head of the the you know the guy trailing the receiver. 
but he makes those kind of throws and then taking those kind of chances. It's exciting, but you're watching this guy who, who makes the spectacular throws and then he throws a pick six and it's like, okay, that pick six is not something Kirk cousins is going to do, but, and you just said it right. 22 for 32, whatever, 200 and what'd you say? 260 yards. Three yeah. touchdowns, yeah, no uh, interceptions. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are good stats. Your running back runs for 130 yards. You got this balanced attack. You're eating up clock. Uh, there's no reason you should lose the game except that. And I'll put some of this on Mike Zimmer. He's not going for it on fourth down. Like we're getting down to the end of the game and I'm watching them, them go back and forth. And it, it, it's like you're down a point. And I think there was like less than three minutes left in the game and it's fourth and one. Was it fourth and one? And he doesn't go for it. It's like, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you go for that? You have to go for that. There's, you don't know that you're going to get the ball back. So, oh yeah, sorry. It was fourth and six. Anyways, some questionable decisions by Mr. Zimmer. (laughs) Anyways, the last thing I'll say is that um, the the tough thing I have with Cousins is that, uh, and what was it? Well, so that last drive, so right before they decided to punt on fourth and six, it was third and six. There's essentially three minutes left in the game, and they're down by one. And Cousins throws to a receiver three yards short of the first down. What's the point? You know it's third and six. Get the first down. Why are you throwing a three-yard pass into the flats? Anyways, I don't know that I'm making any amazing hot take here. It's just uh, it's it's a little frustrating watch to watch. It was frustrating to watch Minnesota. They play for all intents and purposes a, a great first three quarters, but there's a different way to play the game in the fourth quarter than the, the first three quarters. If you're in a close game, you need to take a couple chances. You need to go for the win. And they just didn't do it. They just played it safe the whole game. So you need a little Brett Favre. Yeah. Yeah. You need a little Brett Favre. So they just didn't have enough of it. Now, all that said, to your point, Will, you're right. Cousins led the led the team down the field. They were in field goal range. They had a thirty seven yard field goal. You have one job. Kick a thirty seven yard field goal when the game is on the line. If you can't do that, why are you here? So part of me, I mean, yes, Mike Zimmer made some mistakes and the kicker probably shouldn't have been in that position to kick a game-winning field goal, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. Kickers don't get paid a bajillion dollars, but they do get paid millions of dollars and you're getting paid millions of dollars to hit a an extra point, basically, when the game is on the line. And he pushed it wide, so... Just got to do it. Got to do it. Um Anyway, so actually, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Well, we're going to all go through this, but I just basically explained it. I'm going to go with my donkey of the week is uh, is uh, the kicker there, Mr. Greg Joseph. Sorry, buddy, you only got one job, and your job was pretty easy. As 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 your job goes, that's about as easy as it gets. 37 yard winning field goal. So now your team is um, in the hole for the rest of the season. Yeah, they they dropped to zero and two, and yeah, you know. And what did we just say about zero and two teams in the playoffs? Yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's, exactly. that's what I thought. 
Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Mr. Greg Joseph. Now your team has an 88% chance of not making the playoffs. When you put it in those terms, it's pretty bleak. Ugh, right? Yeah. Especially okay. when you get when you get a team that you're looking at and you're going like this this shouldn't be an 0 and 2 team. Well, okay, including all of the teams in in the last uh what did you say 31 years that were undeserving 0 and 2 teams. The fact that it's still only 12% makes the playoffs. That 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 tells you how bleak it is if you don't how difficult look- like an undeserving 0-2 team. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point you just made there, Will, because there is a bit of, like, it might be a little misleading to think that 88% chance of not making the playoffs because that does mean that 12% of the teams do make the playoffs, and how many 0-2 teams are undeserving? Maybe 12%? Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that... If a good team goes 0-2, maybe it's not actually the end of the world. Because chances are but if you go 0-2, you're not a very How much it good is player. retrospect and you look back and you go, well, they weren't a good team because they went from 0-2 to 0-6. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. that We'd good. have to do a really deep dive on some of those rosters. Like, no, no, this was a good team. Anyways. After two weeks in in the season, there are... Four teams in the NFC that are 0 and 2, and there are three teams in the AFC that are 0 and 2. Right. So there's only seven teams in the league that are 0 and 2. Okay. So I, do you want to take list. a little? Do you want to take a little side, a little detour here? I want to get to. Uh, I want to get to our, our our man of the week and donkey of the week awards, but. Who in the league, what teams in the league are we eliminating? Jacksonville. Right off the bat. That's going to be probably a 1-15 or 1-16. They might win two games and be lucky to win two games. That is an atrocious roster. They're stripping for parts and rebuilding. They sent away Joe Schobert to the Steelers, who's still a capable linebacker, and one of their starting linebackers. Like That is a team with absolutely nothing on it outside of Trevor Lawrence and maybe... Miles Jack, who's a decent linebacker, but nothing special. Nothing okay. excellent like he was. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, I, ja- so Jacksonville, you're eliminating. They are out. They are not making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Jets, same thing. Jets, <laughs> same right. reason. I, yeah. I was going to say, the, the only two 0-2 teams that I don't eliminate are the Vikings... And the Colts. Same. Yeah, I think okay. You can write off the Giants. I think you can write off the Jags. I think you can write off the Jets. I think you can write I, off the Lions and you can write off the Falcons. I don't think any of those guys are making the playoffs. Yeah, all right. I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I don't know I, that that's a super bold statement. I just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, that 12%, I don't, I don't see them beating that 12%. <laughs> no, no, I agree with you. I agree with you on all of those. But is there any is there any one-in-one teams that you want to eliminate as well? Uh, Philadelphia. Really? Get them out. Yeah. I, I mean, Jalen Hurts honestly looks way better than I thought, but like, I'm thinking about it logistically. I don't think the Eagles will beat uh, Dallas or Washington in that division, 
and I don't think they'll have a good enough record to get a wild a wild card spot. They'll probably be, I don't know, uh, a game or two south of five hundred. Is my oh guess. Oh my goodness! All right, Eagles, look at Dolphins. you go. Yeah, Dolphins are toast. Dolphins have seventeen points for in two games. Yeah. All right. Here's my hot take. <laughs> Washington's toast. Yeah. They're I mean, Heine- let's be fair. I, I like Taylor Heineke, but Heineke looks, he doesn't look, he doesn't look like a long-term starter by any means, but he has enough dynamicism where he, a quarterback like that, but better is what that Washington team needs because they got some ballers on offense. Uh, McLaurin is an tr- fantastic receiver. He is unbelievable as a second year receiver. He's, he's one of the top 10 receivers in this league, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and they still got a great defense. So. Yeah. Their D line is, their D line is pretty awesome. So, yeah. so interesting divisions. Let's just look through and see what's a little bit interesting. I think it's interesting that the AFC South, the Texans are leading it. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long. The Colts are 0 and 2 and the Titans are 1 and 1. I know. But I, I'm not ready to. I'm not ready. To, I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I, the way they've played the first two games, I can't eliminate them just yet. So, and can we? The actually, AFC North is completely tied. Everyone is one and one. Nobody looks any better than the others. So, I, I shouldn't say that the Ravens look better than the others. I don't know. I think they're Cleveland a strong one and one. Whereas I feel like the Bengals and Steelers are clearly the the two at the bottom. Um, I think when it comes to the AFC North, I still think Pittsburgh will have a chance for two in that spot. I, I still don't think the Ravens have that division lined up because the Ravens played excellent against the Chiefs. Um, and Lamar was excellent, but I don't want to speak too much because uh, he's appearing in one of my future topics here. But um, <laughs> I think um, that was one of those games where they had they circled that game on their calendar when the schedule was published because they're like, listen, we're 0-3 against the Pat Mahomes-led Chiefs when we have Lamar under center. That's a narrative. We want to – They that was the that was their biggest game of the season before the playoffs, that game yeah. right there. So yeah. they prepared for that like nothing else. And coming off an overtime loss to the Raiders, like they were probably the most motivated team in the league, and they really showed up. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit, but – I, I'm still not sold. The Ravens are the best in that division. I still think Cleveland takes it. Um, I still think Pittsburgh has a fighting chance for two just because their defense is so good. But I'll, I might change my tune after September if Pittsburgh's offense still looks p- pedestrian and atrocious, yeah. which is very, very possible. I, I hey, thought fun, the Steelers were going to be better. You guys, yeah. For you guys right now, uh, the Ravens have a worse third down conversion rate than the Colts. <laughs> yeah that's okay what I'm saying. That, i don't know what that, that means though like does the that, colts are the colts known for having a bad third down conversion rate well they're no, on too i mean like the ravens are nine of 23 on third down it that's not a great conversion no, conventional wisdom conventional wisdom it, for, says for a strong teams team con- for a division good teams convert on third ah uh, all right but the ravens are not conventional Come on, give me a break. No, you're right. But that Lamar said, runs, Ravens, rushed the ball 16 times for 106 yards. Like, but he is he is very much in carry franchise mode. Lamar, oh, he totally, is, totally. Like and this was the issue that I had with him at the beginning of the season. I said this before: is 
but that said, I think he is throwing the ball better than I expected yes, this year. Yes, and honestly, Roethlisberger and the Steelers look worse than I thought they would in the first two games. Same. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm concerned that my prediction that the the Steelers are number two in that division is not. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm I believe same, it right now. I think I'm on the same page you, Nikki, because I also had the Steelers at two in that division. But again, we'll wait till the end of the month. Yeah, if they can't figure it out. Um, I was they might really be in hoping, trouble. I was really hoping with a new offense coordinator in Matt Canada, they would become a little more progressive. But they're still Big Ben. It still has fingerprints too much on that offense. Like he, you can tell Tomlin is letting Big Ben run the show a little. Like he has a lot more say than perhaps he should in how that offense operates. Um, because they're in shotgun all the time, all the time, and it's like mm, I understand. Yeah. I understand you can't run the ball very well, but like you can at least try to run the ball and get some rhythm because running is such a coordinated effort. Like you need just reps and practice at it. Like yeah, well, and the, and Najee Harris looked better this week. He he ran, he got well, the he ball more. Plays. So. He had a couple good plays, but like that's the problem is they got to get running, him banging. Running from shotgun carries and running get from shotgun is so much harder than running from uh, an even backfield like if you're an eye or in single back or something like that if you're in shotgun as a running back it is unbelievably well, harder to run okay ball. okay 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 yes it's also but harder to no but you're talking about like the running back stands next to the quarterback and they give him a little yes. draw play or a little off tackle play yes of course that like when you're when it's obvious like that but in today's nfl the number of plays that come out of shotgun where you've got guys crossing you know jet sweeps and um, you know, run pass options and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. I think the Steelers' sure. unique situation is that Big Ben can't do any of that. I agree, but that's also <laughs> so, what I'm saying. But also, what I'm saying is the best running teams in the league they use a lot more under center or at least pistol, where the running back is behind the quarterback. Like the Niners are a fantastic running team. Um, and they line up under center much more than Pittsburgh does. Yeah, like, I just I'm anyways. Is, just for there's, running the ball, under center has advantages. Yes, absolutely. So I don't disagree, but there's creative ways to do it. A shotgun is not what it used to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Shotgun is not the same as 20, 30 years ago where, okay, they're throwing the ball. There's lots of creative ways to run the ball in 2021. No, I agree. I agree. It's just Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh can't do can't, it out of Can't shotgun. do most of that, yeah. So do it from All right. under center. Let's, let's not do a deep dive on the Steelers. Sorry, Chris. um the only other interesting thing that i'll mention when it comes to these divisional standings and the records right now uh the nfc east is not interesting at all the nfc west is what we thought it would be the nfc north is not interesting (laughs) the nfc south is not particularly interesting uh but i will say that the afc west Mm -hmm. is the Raiders and the Broncos are two and zero, oh, and the Chiefs and the Chargers are one and one. Wow! <laughs> I, I think I think the the standings currently are the exact reverse of what I predicted in that division. So far, the Raiders look good. The Raiders look damn good. They man. do, man. They're looking. Uh, they're the looking. Woken up. But. Yeah, and Carr is looking fantastic. He's looking every bit of franchise quarterback. Okay, top let's move on. Man of the week, go. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I teased it earlier. Uh, I'm a Steelers fan, but um, I have no problem admitting greatness when I see it. Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer. He's still not one of the best throwers in the league, but 
you can forgive his inadequacies passing, um, which are becoming fewer and fewer as the months go on, to be frank. But he is such an unbelievable, elusive athlete that he can throw off platform, he can throw on the run, he can make difficult arm angle throws. Even if it's not the best place, like he is so electric, he will get the ball downfield. And what I loved about his performance um, against the Chiefs was he threw two really ugly picks um, early in the game to start the half. <laughs> That's and what you loved. Well, what I love is he bounced back. <laughs> what I love is that what I love is that Lamar Jackson, and this is where my weekly Aaron Aaron Rodgers slander comes in. Aaron Rodgers throws two picks in a game, the game's over. It could be the first quarter. <laughs> Lamar Jackson throws two picks against the best quarterback in the league, and he goes, you know what, fuck it. I'm tired of losing the Chiefs. Pardon my French. I'm going to put this team on my back. I'm going to rush for 100 yards. I'm going to pass for 270-something yards, and I'm going to win this game. I'm tired of losing you guys. This is my turn now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers does that. Lamar Jackson is is – I, I can't criticize him anymore. Like I two years ago when he won his MVP season, I was upset, upset that it was unanimous because I didn't think he deserved it. I, I thought he deserved the MVP, but not unanimously. I also thought he needed to improve a lot more as a passer. And I honestly, I don't have anything to say negative about Lamar, even as a Steelers fan. It's just, he's so damn good. You can right. slow him down. You can't stop him. He's the man. Great. Great. And uh, I'll just throw a little shout out to Lamar because he was my donkey of the week last week. So well done, sir. You, uh, I love him. He's so cool. He's such a great guy. I'm, so, I'm such a fan of him as a person, despite him playing for the Ravens. I just think Lamar, I root for him. Not against the Steelers, but I want him to do well. He just seems like such a good guy. Okay, Will, over to you. Man of the week. So my man of the week was uh, the the nephew of the freak, J. Ron Curse. Oh. Dallas. Oh. Not, not a big name, but... Man, he played his ass off this week. He was in on everything. Um, and and considering Dallas has a few injuries and the the DBs have really been kind of, I don't know, under fire that they need to step up this year. Man, he was hitting. He was hitting. He was fast to the ball. He was breaking up plays. He was jumping routes. It was... It was awesome to watch because, uh, I don't know, Dallas has not, for years, has not really had that, I don't know, feisty kind of killer instinct back end on their defense. It's always been a little bit soft and not great for turnovers. And, man, Curse was all over the field. And I'll say, like, I'm calling him my man of the week. I noticed him. And and I'm making him my man of the week over Micah Parsons. So I think that tells you something. I I noticed him all game. He always had his nose in the mix. And and I think he was one of the key figures on that defense that, that kept the Chargers in check on offense uh, all day. So I, I got to give him a lot of props for that. Cool. I love it. Who was your man of the week? Did you already say? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. Um, we know your donkey, but not your not your goat yet. <laughs> um. All right, my man of the week. I went back and forth on a couple of guys this week. Uh, does a man of the week have to be on a winning team? No. No. All right. So, 
I I got two minds on this one, um, and it this one. <laughs> I don't know whether I can do this, guys. <laughs> I'm supposed to hate this team so much, <laughs> but Tyler Lockett. Dude, I mean, yeah. my goodness, he is unbelievable. So, I'm. <laughs> anyways, his stats have been outrageous the first two weeks of this season he went off this week and unfortunately it didn't end with a win for them so it almost feels like a bit of a hollow award the man of the week and you know he got he got some good stats but it didn't matter but i just think he's incredibly clutch he's a great route runner. He's got exceptional hands and he's been underrated his entire career. So, um, yeah, I guess my man of the week goes to, uh, Tyler Lockett, despite his team's, uh, close loss. And they're in the same division as my Niners. So I tend to root against them. I'm not heartbroken that they lost, but man, he's fun to watch. So, and, and I'll give my, uh, my honorable mention, and this was a tough one. I kind of went back and forth on this, but Roquan Smith, the uh, middle linebacker for the Bears. So the Bears got a uh, a big win this weekend. I don't think any of us really expect them to do a whole lot this season or, or you know, make much noise when it comes to pushing for the playoffs. But uh, it was a big win, and he was a big part of it. Eight tackles, one sack, interception, return for a touchdown. Uh, he's the biggest reason they won <laughs> this week. So <laughs> it wasn't Dalton and it wasn't, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't Justin Fields. Let's put it that way. So there's my two. Okay. Donkey of the week. Um, I think I already, I already went through mine, but I'll just recap, uh, Greg Joseph kicker for the Vikings. Sorry, buddy. I know you don't get on the field very often, but that's the point. You got one job. It's to nail those easy kicks from 37 yards. And uh, you didn't. So, and honorable mention, Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, Josh Allen. Thank you, Josh Allen. Yeah. All right. The, um, Josh Allen. I had this concern earlier this off season. I was thinking, okay, Josh Allen was lights out last year. Can he replicate it? Can he continue that? Was that a one year wonder, or was that the sign of things that things to come? And through two games, it's it's looking like a one-year wonder because mm. he has been, in terms of any metric, as bad or worse than he was in his rookie year. Um, he For a team that won 35 nothing, he played poor. He had <laughs> just... He had one pass more than 50% completion. He was 17 for 33. Yeah. He was terrible. He had 179 yards, and this is the, the worst part to me. Isn't the fact that through two games, he has that he has a 77.9 uh, QBR. The worst stat for me is that his average yard uh, yards per throw average, 5.3 yards per throw. That is terrible. Big mm-hmm. Ben last year had 6.2, and that was awful. A, a decent average is about six and a half, maybe more, maybe closer to seven. If you're at 5.3 yards per throw. You are not throwing the ball effectively. And the, so looking through his stats through two games, because, again, this is so strange because he looked great in the preseason. 
but this is a real regular season. 449 yards, uh, 77.9 uh, complete uh, quarterback rating. He has three touchdowns, one pick. Like he is just, and he's about just over 50% completion, about 55 under 60%. He has looked terrible, and I've I haven't seen a quarterback look that bad in a 35 nothing route in a long time. He's my donkey of the week. Okay. Well, and and to be fair to, uh, you get the paycheck that he just got. And and you're expected to perform uh, week in and week out, regardless of the situation. Um, this one, the only thing that skews it a little bit is uh, he didn't have to. You know, they were up fourteen nothing early in the second quarter, and they just they never had to come back from that. Uh, they they never had to get production out of him. Yeah, but so come there's on, that. I mean. But he should be just better. because you don't have be to doesn't mean you don't have to complete more than fifty percent yeah. of your passes. He like, still threw the ball thirty three times, man. Thirty three yeah. times, like that's that's not nothing. Like, obviously, that's uh, kind of on the low side by today's standards, or kind of the average side. But it's a lot of throws to only have seventeen completions. If you were a lot of people's dark horse or even favorite for MVP this year, who did they play this week? Uh, they played Miami, and they oh, blanked yeah. Miami, but. Like he played, he play, he might have been the worst quarterback on the field, and that includes Jacoby Brissett playing for Miami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could make an argument. You could make an argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Tua went and, down with an injury. And what's Jacoby Brissett getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> Ten million, if that. All right, Will Donkey of the Week, Jared oh. Goff, Jared okay. Goff, and and the whole Lions offense, but yeah. but particularly him. Their their last. Uh, let's see, two, four, five drives of the game. So we're going all the way into the the third quarter. They had turnover on downs. Goff fumbled the ball, lost it. Next drive, he fumbled it, recovered it just enough to turn around and punt it. Threw an interception, turnover on downs. They lose the game. They were in it. They were right in it with Green Bay. They had every opportunity to... They were leading at halftime. Yeah. They had every opportunity to win this game. And from midway through the third quarter, they collapsed. And specifically Goff. Like, two fumbles and an interception in a row. And and you just let Rodgers come back and yeah this one this one was honestly the first half of that game Goff was doing his best Aaron Rodgers impression like that that touchdown he threw to Hawkinson in the corner of the end zone was spectacular like that couldn't have been any more perfect uh, he looked exceptional and as an aside Hawkinson is a bad bad man to take a take a page out of your book Will he is really really good. I didn't think I didn't realize he was that good. He's taken a he's taken a step in the offseason for sure. Did he go to uh tight end university with with my man George Kittle in the offseason? I feel like he Probably. picked up a thing or two. <laughs> he he took Tebow's spot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um yeah, and then in the second half it looked like Goff I it, it looked like he got the yips, honestly. 
shriveled up like George Costanza's uh, cold pool wiener. Like it was absurd. <laughs> oh it was absurd. <laughs> so was that reference. Thank you, Will. <laughs> uh, no, it, I mean, yeah, it it was it was startling, and um, yeah, I don't know. It it just kind of solidifies my opinion of Goff that he he's another one of these guys that he has the talent. Um, I just don't know that I believe that he can be that guy that uh, that pulls his teams up, you know? Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, so I, I think that's why the Rams traded him. I think that's what it yeah. – that's what he was in the Super Bowl. He got them to the Super Bowl, but he wasn't good enough to win. He's a – he can be really good. He has these moments that he flashes where – you see that he can make any throw and he's got this accuracy that is out of this world. And then he just did the moment. Honestly, it looks like the moment gets too big for him. And once he realized that he's in this shootout with Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers is throwing dimes across the field. And once he realizes that Aaron Rodgers can throw those touchdowns all game with a blindfold on, he goes, Oh, 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 <laughs> Well, and, and to put this in context with our earlier conversation, uh, if you give me both quarterbacks uh, at the same age with the same, you know, left in their career, uh, I'll take Kirk Cousins over Jared Goff. Me too. I would. Yeah. I'm more convinced that I can win with Cousins than, than with Goff. Honestly, I think Cousins has earned his contracts. Like, the wins aside, like, statistically, he's playing excellent. Yeah. He has... Yeah, good set. I don't just, disagree. He's not winning that much. Yeah, Kirk Cousins has that fourth round draft pick chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like I can bring a team back and win a game. I'm as good as the other quarterbacks here, and I'm going to prove it. Whereas Goff is, I don't know, he's a first overall pick. What do you want from the guy? <laughs> I still laugh at that. You like that? You like that? He's just like talking <laughs> reporters. He's just like the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we got to wrap it up, guys. We've been talking long enough. I think everybody's Great turned cat. it off already. <laughs> uh, okay. It's been a pleasure. Week two's in the books. I love this. This is so exciting. Yeah. The beginning of the football season is just, I don't know. It coincides with my favorite time of year too. September. It's like the temperature's perfect and the, yeah. the air smells perfect and, my third time of year is October. I, I, it's Spooktober for me from now on. I love Halloween, love horror <laughs> movies. I find October football is when it starts getting really dang good. So it's yeah, that's best. true. That's true. Thanksgiving. Okay, awesome. Well, Thanks, guys. We're going into week three, and and it's compelling, and we're already talking about like what's going to make a playoff team, mm-hmm. and and we're only two games in, and but this week has consequences. So looking forward to it. That's why Absolutely. it is the best league. In the world, because every game means something. And I got my eyes on on Bucks Rams this weekend and Packers mm-hmm. Niners. That's an excellent back to back. It's four twenty five for Bucks Rams, and then primetime Niners Packers. That is going to be an excellent consecutive back to back like slate of games. Like that's going to. And be it's a great test for both teams. Big time. Big both time. teams. We'll see. We'll see what the big Packers uh, bring out west. Do we get to spank them again? I really hope like so. Like the fourth time in 
three years. I got to say, nothing would make me happier. <laughs> me too. Dude, what a my, coincidence. My takes would be outrageous. If the, if the Packers <laughs> lose by more than a touchdown, I am coming in here with fire and brimstone. All right, rock on. I love it. Okay. <laughs> Great talking to you guys. Good night, fellas. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week.